0: Bridge. All right, we're going to get into God's word, but I'm going to mess with you for a minute. Everybody stand to your feet, if you would, for just a second. All right, come on, stretch. Let's get the blood flowing a little bit. I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us today. Anybody else come to hear from the Lord today? I'll tell you what, if we ever get to the point that we go through the motions in any form of our faith, it can get boring real quick. And I don't know about you, but when I came to church this morning, I needed to hear from the Lord. So it's my heart, it's my hope, it's my prayer that all of us can open our hearts, open our minds. That's what we're going to be talking about today, that the Lord will speak to us. So just hold out your hands like this. Let's just open our hearts for a moment. Let's just ask the Lord to come in and speak to us today, okay? Father, right now, we as your people, we come before you and we are declaring in faith. We open our hearts, we open our minds, and right now we say, Lord, speak, for we are listening. We, your people, are here to meet with you. We don't want to come here and go through a routine or a ritual. We don't want our faith to become religion. We want a fresh relationship with you because only you have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? So this morning we tune our ears, our hearts, our minds to hear from you. And we say, speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. God, we love you. We give you this time. We give you ourselves. Have your way. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a seat, I appreciate it. If you got your Bible this morning, meet me in Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. Philippians four is one of those passages of scripture that you might have some Bible verses memorized from, but I'm probably not gonna speak from one of those that you have memorized in your head today. I'm excited to jump into this message. I wanna bring you a message called Redesign Your Mind. Redesign Your Mind. And I know that that's a bit of a funny title for the message today, but it's not about us redesigning our minds. It's about God redesigning our minds and making them into the minds, making us into the people he's calling us to be. So you're there in Philippians 4. We're going to jump into that here in just a couple of minutes, but let me just give you some context today for where we're going to go. The book of Philippians is really an interesting book. I would almost use the word ironic in the way that the book is written, and I'll tell you why. Because When you look at the book of Philippians, uh, many Bible scholars will often say that it's the most joyful or joyous book or epistle that the Apostle Paul wrote. And the reason is, is because if you go through all of the the writings of the Apostle Paul, there are so many specific instances where he speaks correction, or he even speaks rebuke into churches or leaders or Christians because he wants to bring correction so that they walk out the life that God has for them the correct way. But when you look through the book of Philippians, surprisingly, there's very little rebuke. There's very little correction spoken. Instead, what you get is a whole lot of praise, a whole lot of exhortation, and a whole lot of encouragement. And, and instead of seeing rebuke, it's really an upbeat book. And overall, the tone of the book of Philippians is surprisingly positive and upbeat. And the reason that I say that that's kind of ironic is because the book of Philippians, when Paul wrote it, he was in jail. And it's interesting to think that one of the most positive things that Paul contributed to the church, not just in the first century, but even today, was something he did during one of the most difficult seasons of his life. So here's a thought for you. What if one day others looked back on your life and the things they remembered about you most positively were done during some of the most difficult seasons of your life? I think that we would all be able to look back and say that that's a testimony, Not just of my strength, not just of my resolve, it would be a testimony of God's goodness working in me where he's changing my heart. He's changing me by the power of his spirit. And more specifically, as we're going to talk about today, he's working on my mind and my thought life. And it's really a picture of what we see happening in Paul's life as he lays out the book of Philippians. And I want to spend some time here because when you look at the irony of that, the fact that Paul's so positive, even though he's in a negative season or a negative situation, writing from prison, writing from jail, you know, this really raises an interesting question. How does Paul find joy while walking through a difficult season? Well, it was actually Paul who wrote to us or wrote to the Galatian church in Galatians 5 and he talked about the fruits of the Spirit. And when he talks about the the fruit that God wants to develop by the power of his spirit working inside of us, one of the first things he mentions is the fruit of joy. And joy is this internal condition that God develops inside of us. It's an internal condition that is not disrupted by our external circumstances. Does everybody understand that this morning? God wants to develop joy on the inside of us, something that is unchanged, it's unwavered, unmoved by our external circumstances circumstances. And when you look at that and the fruits of the Spirit that God wants to develop inside of us, it makes it so clear that the Holy Spirit was strengthening Paul in his heart and in his spirit. But when you look at the rest of Paul's writings, it's also very clear that God was not working only on Paul's heart and his spirit, but he was continually working on Paul's mind. Now for a lot of us, when we start talking about the mind when we come to church, a lot of us wonder, okay, are we about to go into like mental Christianity, psychological Christianity? Where are we going today, Zach? I believe that God wants to first change our heart and develop his character and his nature within us, but sometimes we undersell or just overlook the fact that God wants to go to work on our minds. And scripture has a whole lot to say about the change that God wants to make right here Between our ears. And that's where we're gonna go today in talking about redesigning our mind. Not us redesigning our mind, but God redesigning our minds and making it more into the image of Christ. So I wanna read to you from Philippians chapter four today. This is what it says in verse eight. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, If there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, eight things, he says. He goes on and he says, meditate or think on these things. Then look at verse nine. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, Paul talking about himself, these things do, and then what? And the God of peace will be with you. Now, it's very easy to to read these verses of Scripture and think that this is all about the power of positive thinking. And sometimes that's what we want to do with our faith and what we want to do with our Christianity. just want to make it all about positive thinking. If I could just focus on the positive and tune out the negative, then I'm going to have the peace of God with me everywhere that I go. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment, but let me say a couple things. I was reading through Philippians a few weeks ago, and, you know, Philippians is really a short book, and you can read through it pretty quickly in one sitting. And as I was reading through this, those verses jumped out to me again, and I found myself going back to verses 8 and 9, the ones we just read, and I felt like God was saying, stay here, stay here, stay here. Think about this for a bit. And so I thought, okay, well, there's eight things that Paul says that we should meditate or think on, and some of them are pretty similar to each other. And as a pastor and a preacher, I'm like, okay, here's the point, point one, two, three, four, I mean, I just start laying it out in my head. But it was as if God said, no, hold on, hold on, understand what I'm saying here. For a lot of us as Christians, it's easy for us to think that what Paul is talking about here is simply the power of positive thinking. If I could just fill my mind with positivity, think good thoughts, avoid negativity, then I will have God's peace in my life. And sadly, that's what many of us want our faith to look like. We want to avoid negativity. We want to embrace those positive vibes. And we'll find the peace that we're searching for. The only problem is, that's not at all what the Apostle Paul is talking about. In fact, when you read the rest of Paul's writings, you quickly discover, yes, God did a massive work in his heart and in his spirit, but God also did a huge work in his mind. And I want to say to every Christian in the house this morning that just because God does a work in our heart and does a work in our spirit, that doesn't mean that we disengage our brains. God wants to go to work on those things as well. A lot of the biggest things God will do in our lives are the battles that take place between our ears. Yes, God wants to change my heart. Yes, God by his spirit wants to go to work spiritually inside of me. But God also wants to do a massive overhaul in my mind just as he did In the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, with all of that said, I told you a moment ago that Paul's not talking here just about the power of positive thinking. There's something to be said about that, but I want to make sure that we don't go down the path of mental Christianity. God wants to do a very spiritual thing when it comes to the work that he wants to do in our minds. There's nothing wrong with being positive. There's nothing wrong with having positive confessions over our life and over our future as long as it aligns with the Word of God. In fact, that's very scriptural. But I'm not interested in going down psychological Christianity path today. I'm interested in talking about how God can make us more into his image. And so that's what we're going to focus on for just a minute. Now, I told you some people might hear this and think, are we going to talk about like just positive confession and positive thinking? Not exactly, but I want you to follow me for a minute because I was reading an interesting study not too long ago and this was actually published by an Australian psychology clinic That was talking about the power of positive thinking. And and watch how interesting this is. Because, you know, we're not a church that's down on psychology. We're not against that or medical science or anything like that. But any, any help that we ever seek, any professionals that we go to, need to first be helping us by starting with the word of God before anything else. I gotta get a way better amen than that. There's nothing wrong with seeking help and medical science is wonderful, but when seeking help, go to somebody who's gonna talk to you from the word of God first and then help you psychologically, amen? amen? All right, now, this is the interesting words that were published in this study. It was by a clinic called the Strategic Psychology Group. Watch this, it says, positive psychology is rooted in the fact that thinking optimistically can be used as a tool to improve your well-being. And there are tons of anecdotal studies that explain the effectiveness of thinking positively. In other words, there's some benefit. But watch this. But there can be pitfalls of ignoring the negative. What happens when thinking positive just isn't enough? Sure, there are studies that show that repeating positive affirmations about yourself helps improve your self-esteem. But here is the catch. And this is what I want you to watch right here. This technique only works for people who already have a solid foundation of their self-worth. And this is what I love about this. This is a picture of modern psychology catching up with what the word of God has been telling us for thousands of years. That positive confession only means something when it's built upon a healthy foundation, which is the truth of God's word in our lives. The writer of Hebrews said it this way. He said, hold fast to your confession, of faith. And for a lot of us in the faith world, we took that verse and we said, well, I can just bless God, confess anything I want, and he's got to do it for me. The only problem is in the original writings, when it says, hold fast to your confession, the word confession there literally means homologo, same word. Same word as what? Same words that God has already spoken over our lives. Our confession and our positivity is only important when it's repeating what God has already said about us. So positive confession and positive thinking is healthy only when it's based upon the truth of God's word. Why? Because it's a firm foundation that we can build our life upon. Y'all with me this morning? I said psychology and some of you are like, oh man, where are we going? But listen, if we build our lives upon the foundation that is the word of God, we can confess that over our lives day in and day out and he will build solid things upon that foundation into our lives. But with saying that, that Philippians 4 passage stood out to me, and I thought, you know what? Paul didn't write this because suddenly he was just thinking good thoughts and everything changed. No, God went to work in his mind. He drove out the old stuff, and he brought in the new stuff. And you see that pattern happening all throughout the writings of Paul. Let me show it to you. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And all of the very spiritual people, you know where I'm going in this passage of Scripture right now but I wanna read a couple of things to you very quick before we read from Romans 12. Many of us want the new life that God is offering us without surrendering our old ways of thinking. We want new paths, but we wanna hold on to old patterns. We want the new birth and the new life and the new outlook, but are sometimes slow to relinquish the old mindsets. Jesus himself said in Luke chapter five that you don't put new wine in an old wineskin, Yet many Christians often think that God will give them a new future while allowing them to hold on to their old patterns. And if we expect God to do a new thing in us, but we don't allow him to push old things out of us, we're deceiving ourselves and we're stunting our spiritual growth. And God doesn't just wanna do new things in us, he wants to first drive the old things out of us. So this is where we're gonna go today with Romans chapter 12, and I want to read to you starting in verse 1. Again, Paul's writings talking about what God did in his mind and what he wants to do in our minds as well. Verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Goes on, verse 2, and says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I don't know how many people are taking notes this morning or how many of you actually brought a physical Bible with you, but let's get those Bibles dirty, okay? Grab a pen if you got it, and I want you to underline three words right there in your Bible. The three words, first of all, are the word "conform" or conformed, the second word is transformed, and the third word Is renewing. Underline those three words right there in your Bible and look at the significance of these words. When you take the first two, it says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, the thought pattern, the thought process of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conformed and transformed are two really interesting words that are very similar but totally different. They both have the word formed within them. They just have a different prefix at the beginning. The word conform starts with the prefix c-o-n-con, which means to go with. And what is Paul saying here? He says, don't allow the way that the world thinks to make your mind and your thought patterns go with its pattern. Instead, allow God to do something else. And here's what's interesting about it. When we see the word conform, it's a picture of going with the flow, going with the pattern, just blending into the scenery around us and not being any different than the patterns of the world. And I want to just point this out to you because I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but when you started following Christ and you got into his word and saw what the truth of God's word was and how it began to confront you in your life, I began to notice that it was as if I was swimming against the tide of the way the world thinks. Is there anybody else? And as we swim against that tide, we find out that in our own strength and in our own power and in our own ability, it's really difficult to get by because it's as if everything is coming at us and we're going in a different direction. But Paul says, don't be conformed. Don't allow your mind to be formed with the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed. And the word trans, of course, that prefix means to go across or against the pattern of the world. It means to totally go in an opposite direction, which sometimes means there's going to be conflict. Sometimes when I choose to follow Christ and I don't just give him my heart, but now I've given him my mind and I want him to change that too, that means it's going to bring me to certain points of conflict where the way God sees things and the way the world sees things are totally in conflict. And that's all a part of the process. So you hear that and you say, well, how am I going to do that? I mean, how how am I going to find the strength to do that? How am I going to allow God to form my mind against the patterns of society, against the patterns of the world, against the patterns of culture?" And that, of course, is where the third word comes in. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, the renewing of your mind. Now, if you just see that word on the surface, it's so very easy to think that the word renew means, well, God just gives me a new mind, a new brain, and suddenly everything changes overnight, and all is well because I'm now a Christian and I got a new mind. Listen, sometimes it takes time for God to renew our minds. And I'll show it to you because if you actually look at what the word renew means, there means, in the original writings, it's the Greek word anakinosis, which means a renewal, and this is the word that I love, or a renovation of your mind. Not just a renewal like God says, okay, we're going to do a brain transplant. I'm going to pull the old one out. I'm going to put a new one in, and voila, you're good. You think like I do now. No, it doesn't mean he gives you a new mind overnight. It means that he starts to renovate the one that he gave you when you were born, because there's a pattern that he has for your life. There's a way of thinking that he wants you to be aware of and that he wants you to be formed with. Now, talking a little bit more about renovation, let me just ask this question really quick. How many of you, show of hands, have renovated a house or your house before? Anybody? Aren't renovations fun? Is there anybody that's doing a renovation right now? Hardly, you guys are like, are you kidding? Inflation? No way. <laughs> Do you know what the interest rate is? I'm re- anyway, just kidding. You're like, don't think about that, Zach. I came to church not to think about that. What's funny about renovation, which is really the picture that we see when the scripture says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, is that renovation is a process. Like of all of you who have re-renovated your house before, don't you wish that the day you decided to do it, you started construction the very next day and it was done the day after that? But yet, it never happens that way. And let me say a couple things about Renovation. First of all, renovation never goes as fast as you want it to. It always costs more than you thought it would. And sometimes it can get messy. Now we talk about that in a literal sense with the renovation of our homes, but I think the same principle applies when it comes to God doing a renovation in our mind. Now stay with me for a minute because let's just talk very practically about renovation. You know, there are several steps to renovation. I'm not a contractor or a builder or anything, but we've all watched HGTV, okay? But listen, when it comes to the simple steps of renovation, follow me for a minute here. Nobody starts a renovation without having a design plan before you get started. And so when we start talking about God renewing or renovating our minds, I'm not talking about just starting demolition without a plan at all. No, we have to first understand that God has a plan, a blueprint, and a design for our lives and he wants to form our minds to a way of thinking that will walk us into his kingdom plan for us. And every healthy renovation has to start with a blueprint because if you don't know what you're building on, you might be wasting your time. Every healthy renovation starts with a blueprint. Can I tell you where we find God's plan for our lives? It's all throughout his word. His word's a lamp to our feet. It shows us where we stand. It's a light to our path. It shows us where to go. God's plan, God's design, God's blueprint is way better than ours. And when we choose to start the renovation, we have to remind ourselves why we started in the first place because his plan is better than ours. Can somebody say amen this morning? Every healthy renovation always has a plan before you start. But then once you know what the plan is, then comes the next step, demo day. Demolition, which is a process, also. Now, demolition seems fun when you're the person swinging the sledgehammer. But when you're, when it's your house and you've hired somebody else to do it, you walk in and see the mess they're making, and that gets a little bit difficult. How do we respond? How do we react when God steps into our lives and He starts working on our minds and He starts chipping a few things away? When things start to get messy, how do we respond? Are we still willing? to go through the process. I remember, I believe it was earlier this year, we have some neighbors that live like two or three houses up from us, and they started doing renovations in a lot of the different areas of their house. And I had a picture in my head of what this was gonna look like because their floor plan in their home was just like ours. So they told us, they said, you know, do your cabinets go all the way to the ceiling in your kitchen? We said, no. And they said, well, neither do ours, and we wanted to change that. So we decided we're going to take out the old cabinets, put the new cabinets in so that they would go all the way to the ceiling. The only problem is when we started to do that, what we found was that they started running into issues with the bathtub upstairs in our bathroom. So we had to take out the bathtub and the bathroom upstairs in order to, the, in order to accommodate the new cabinets that we had already bought, that we wanted to go up to the ceiling in the kitchen downstairs. And they said, We realized that as soon as we got that far into this project, we're like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so much bigger than we realize. It's gonna take so much more time than we realize. It's gonna cost so much more than we realize. And it's gonna create messes in other parts of the house that we did not plan for. And they talked about this renovation, and it really hit me that sometimes when we say, Okay, God, I'm yours, my heart is yours, my life is yours, my spirit is yours, or we say, My mind is yours. We're not asking God to come in and redecorate, we're asking God to come in and renovate. How many of you know there's a big, big difference between redecorating and renovating? Because when we give God permission to work on our minds, he's not gonna come in and just repaint the walls, he might rip a few of them out. And this is exactly what Paul's talking about when he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Let your mind, your your way of thinking, your mindset change. How? By allowing God to renovate your mind. And it might cost you a little bit more than you wanted to pay in the beginning. It might take a little bit more time than you thought it would. And it might get a little bit messy. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment with God redecorating and renovating. But listen, Once you've done the hard work of the demo and you say, God, come in and do this work in my life and he starts to go to work, it seems like the very next step that happens is God starts to install the new things into our life or more specifically into our mind. And this is where we start to see the progress. Because you've seen what your house looks like the old way it was designed, then you saw the mess with the demolition as everything was taken out and you found dust in places you didn't know dust could find. But then suddenly here comes the new stuff. You see the new appliances. You see the new countertops. You see the new cabinets. You see that bathroom you always wanted. You start to see the progress. Why? Because no longer is the old stuff there. Now it's been cleaned out and new stuff is starting to be installed. And this is when we look around and we say, God, it's as if you're giving me new thoughts. You're giving me new ideas. You're giving me new dreams. No longer am I seeing my future through the lens of my past, but I'm starting to look ahead and realize there's progress that you're making here, God, because you've moved old stuff out and you are now starting to install new things in my mind. You're changing things, God. And I'm beginning to see the progress. Now, again, I told you, we've all seen the HGTV shows. But the very next thing that happens after demolition and progress, the installation is they have the big reveal. Now, the big reveal to me is tricky and I'll tell you why, I'm not gonna lie. I gotta think that if it's your house that's being worked on on HGTV, you saw it along the way. You weren't just there at the very end when they pulled the things back and ta-da, here's your new house. No, I'd be like, okay, I gotta come see this thing and make sure you guys aren't screwing it up. But you get to the end of the show and you see like the big reveal. And I think the big reveal is often for us, the viewers who are watching at home. Because we're like, wow, what an amazing space. What an amazing renovation. What an amazing finished product. And what do we always see when on those shows when they've renovated a new house? They say, wow, it looks brand new. Is this the same house? Like all these cliche phrases that we always hear. But here's what's so interesting about it. We're watching it from a distance on TV when we see the big reveal. But then there's actually the people in real life who are gonna live there in that house. See, it's different when you're the one who gets to live in it. We see from a distance the work that God does in other people's lives, and we're like, wow, God, I just wish that you would progress me, that you would change me, that you would change my thought patterns. you change my heart. you change my future. And then we submit to the process, and we endure that demo stage where God knocks old stuff out. He brings new things in. We start to see that progress, and then we get to the end, and suddenly the best thing that we get to experience is when suddenly we're the ones who get to live in the new thing that God designed. And here's the deal, we have to always remind ourselves that God's blueprint, God's plan, was always there for our lives. It's just that through the course of action and the course of nature, course of bad decisions, of sin, of other things that have happened, things that people have told us, sometimes we fall into this pattern where we start thinking that our plan is better. God says, I wanna renovate, I wanna change. I wanna take out the old, I wanna bring in the new, so that you're not conformed to the way the world does things but you're being transformed because I've come in and I've taken out all that other stuff and I've inserted myself, my nature, Christ-like nature into your mind and it's changing from the inside out. I love that passage of scripture in Romans 12 because it literally shows us this picture of God renovating us and even though he didn't give me a brain transplant, I've still got the same mind that I had when I was born. It's as if he's done a new thing and I think a new way and I see the world differently than I ever had before, why? because I submitted to the process. For many of us, we come to God and think that he's going to improve things by cleaning and redecorating, cleaning up the messes, straightening up the closets, repeating, or excuse me, repainting the walls. But in reality, when we come to God, he doesn't want to just repaint the walls of our lives. He usually, as I said, wants to knock a few down. Because the design he has for our lives is so much better than the one that we've been living in. So the question is, am I willing to go through the renovation process? If we submit to God's renovation process for our minds and for our lives, God will reveal his grand design for our lives and it will be so much greater than any plan we could have drawn up ourselves. Now, here's the last passage of scripture I wanna share with you today. After renovation, I think about renovation when the whole thing's clean, when something new has happened. You know, if you've seen a show or you've been through renovation before when the whole place is being renovated, the old stuff goes out and before the new stuff comes in, it's just sitting there empty. And I think it's a real nice picture of what Paul's talking about because God doesn't want to just say, hey, if you just replace the furniture, if you just replace the appliances, if you just repaint the walls, everything's going to be better. No, he says, "I I want to clean all the old stuff out and do something totally different. There's a choice that we have to make in the middle of this process to make sure that the wrong stuff doesn't get installed in the home that is our mind. And I wanna show you what I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians 10, another writing of Paul's. This is what he says, 2 Corinthians 10 in verse three. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Here he's talking about spiritual warfare, okay? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And of course, when we see that picture of strongholds, it's areas of our life, areas of our mind where we've given the enemy, the devil, a foothold in our life. And because we gave him space, pretty soon the foothold has turned into a stronghold and the renovation is that much more difficult. But Paul talks about this in a spiritual sense and he's talking about pulling down strongholds. He goes on in verse five and he says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then finally, look where he lands bringing every thought into captivity. Everybody say captivity. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. He's saying, I am the watchman. I am the guard. I look over the gates of my eyes, my ears, and my mind to make sure that everything that wants to pass through, I'm first taking captive and asking the question, if God's renovating this house, is there a place in the design to live in my head? Is there a place for this to be accepted? Is there a place for this to be received? He's saying, no, every single thing that that comes and is gonna pass through, I first take it captive and ask the question, God, is this a part of your design or is this not supposed to live in between my ears? Now, let me break this down on a very practical level. All the ladies, raise your hand. All right, ladies, if you were renovating your house right now, and if I say that, I know some of you are like, my Lord, I would love to renovate my house. Right now, like you've got an idea, you've got a plan, you can see how it will happen, you can picture the new decor, the new colors, the new scheme, the new pattern, like you could get excited about that right now. Imagine that your home is being renovated and all the old stuff is out, but none of the new stuff has been put in just yet. And Sister Martha that lives next door, she's really sweet, and sometimes you'd like to have Sister Martha over for coffee, maybe tea, maybe lunch or dinner, whatever that might look like but one day Sister Martha comes knocking at your door and Sister Martha's got a bag in her hand and she says, you know, I've been noticing that you're doing renovation at your house. And you're like, yeah, I am. She's like, you know, I've just been looking and paying attention to the trends and the styles and I found the perfect thing that's gonna fit right above your mantle. But the thing is, you've been in Sister Martha's house (laughs) and you know that there ain't nothing hanging on the walls of Sister Martha's house that you want hanging on the walls of yours. But you graciously, out of the kindness of your heart, accept the gift that Sister Martha has put in your hands. And you slowly open it up and pull that item out of the bag, that picture that she wants you to hang above your mantle. And the thought that's going through your head is Dear God, there's no way I'm putting that above my mantle. But the words that come out of your mouth are this Sister Martha, thank you so much. That was so kind. What I'm going to do is I'm going to wait till the other stuff comes and then give it a look and see if this fits. But man, what a great idea. Thank you so much. You're so kind. You're so wonderful. You're so generous. Now, Sister Martha might go home in a few minutes, and the thought that's going through your head is, I wish I could have just sent it back with her, because there's no way it's ever going to go on the wall. And you're trying to be kind and gracious as much as you can. Now, I know that that's a really silly picture, but listen, sometimes when God begins to go to work and renovate our minds, there's a lot of people around us, including friends, family members, neighbors, co-workers, let alone the devil, that want to bring some stuff that they would like to put on the walls of our lives or of the walls of our minds that God did not intend to be there. And we have to be careful that we are taking every thought captive, and before it goes and hangs up on the wall after this and during this renovation, that we take it to God first and say, God, is this a part of your design? See, I think it's really easy for us to say, well, I'm just gonna start that process now. I'll start pulling some pictures down replacing them with a new one. If we do that, all we're talking about is redecorating. God doesn't wanna just redecorate. He wants to renovate. And suddenly we find ourselves falling back into the same old thought patterns because we didn't really change anything. We just did a little bit of cleaning up and redecorating. God says, nope. I got a plan for your life. And if we're gonna, if you're going to submit to this process, if you're going to go through this process with me, then you're going to have to take every thought captive and ask the question, is this a part of my design? We started this renovation for a reason. It's because my plans are better than yours. Are you willing to submit, take every thought captive, and make sure that it's a part of the plan? You know, in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus told a story about unclean spirits, He made this statement. He said, when an unclean spirit is cast out of somebody, that one unclean spirit, it goes back to the place that it came from and what does it do? It gets seven more who are worse than it and they come back and they find that the home is swept clean and well kept and they inhabit that place in an even stronger way and now the home is worse off than it was in the beginning. And the point is simply this. When we ask God to renovate our minds, he wants to take some old stuff out, but we have, to be really make, we have to really make sure that the devil doesn't come and try to install new stuff that aren't a part of God's design for our lives. And I think it goes hand in hand with what Jesus was saying in Matthew 12. Now, here's where I'm gonna land in closing today. I've been thinking a lot about these thought patterns that we often fall into. And it really hit me over the last few days that, I got serious with God when I was about 23, 24 years old, but still to this day, God's still renovating my mind. He's always changing my mind. He's always changing my thoughts, my thought patterns, the way I see things. There are still times where I look out and see things and you go back to the word of God and you recognize, God, I'm not seeing things the way that you do because the process just never ends. God is always bringing about renovation in our mind if we'll submit to the process. But I just want to read this verse to you really quickly, or these verses to you from 1 Corinthians 2. You don't have to turn there, but I want to read this to you in closing because I think this is the best way to close our service. It says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God goes on and says, verse 13, these things we also speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. This is talking about the accumulation of man's nature and man's wisdom Versus that of the Lord. It's spiritually given. It's a work that God does in our hearts and in our minds. Now, skip down to verse 16. Last verse we're gonna read. It says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Can I put this in modern day English? Who knows God's mind so well that he feels comfortable giving God instructions? If you read that in your Bible, you might see that there's quotations around it. And the reason why is because here, Paul is quoting Isaiah 40. And Isaiah wrote, talking about the nation of Israel, talking about God's omniscience, God's sovereignty. He says, who can know the mind of the Lord? Who is wise enough to give God instructions? Of course, none of us are in a position to give God instructions, but look at the way Paul concludes the verse. He says, but we, but we have the mind of Christ. Wow. What a thought that is, to think that I could be walking with God. He could do a work in my heart and in my mind to the point that I'm no longer walking around in my own natural carnal thinking. But now I have the mind of Christ and I'm able to discern things as Jesus did. What a thought that is. Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, the one who came here with the ability to discern right from wrong, good from evil. When temptation, when decisions were put before him, he stayed the course and he did not sin. He went to the cross, took our punishment upon his back so that we could be justified before the Father. That same Jesus who had the ability to walk 33 years on this earth without making the mistake, we can have the mind of Christ available to us. And how is it? because we allow the Holy Spirit to go to work and do a renovation between our ears. What a beautiful picture that is. Can I say to every person in the house this morning, if you're struggling in some area with your mind, with your thought patterns, with things that you're constantly thinking about or filters through which you see the world, God wants to renovate your mind and he wants to give you the mind of Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. And I said in closing, I wanna tell you one last story this morning. Before I prepare a message, Pastor Corey, pretty much anybody on our team, before we prepare messages, we usually sit down with Pastor Gary and just talk some of this stuff out. I was talking to him a few days ago, and I just said, you know, here's what I'm thinking, here's how I interpret this passage and what I see in Scripture here. He told me this story. He said, several years ago, I was in a Sunday evening service in a church, so there was a woman that stood up to give her testimony, and when she began talking and giving her testimony, she didn't just tell the whole church about how she had been saved a few months earlier and that God had brought her into a relationship with him. She started to talk about how God had delivered her from addiction and from substance abuse. She had a terrible struggle with drug addiction. And when she gave her life to the Lord and started following him, God just delivered her from her addiction and started to set her free and onto a new path. And she told this testimony about what God was doing. And, And my dad told me, he said, you know, She was talking and a lot of what she had to say was kind of convoluted because you could just hear in her speech just the toll and the effect that the drugs had had on her mind over the years. He said, but there was something so beautiful and so pure about this testimony. He said, and I will never forget she got down to the end of her testimony as she was just crying about the work that God had done in her life. And she said, I'm sorry. I know that my speech isn't beautiful. I know I don't speak well and I'm not eloquent in front of people. She said, but my mind has been through a lot. She says, and what I'm finding at this stage of my life is that God is hanging new pictures on the walls of my life. He's knocking down walls, he's renovating, he's taking out the old pictures that I always see from the places that I've been, and he's hanging up new pictures of the places that he's calling me to go. And I thought, what a beautiful testimony that is of the renovation that God wants to do, not just in our hearts, but even more specifically, in our minds. I want to ask everybody right now in this moment if you just bow your head and close your eyes for a minute. We're almost finished today. For many of us, positive thinking doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of the renovation work that God wants to do in our minds. And if we were to stop and examine the walls of our minds, perhaps we would find that there are pictures hanging there that only represent negative experiences. Maybe right now when we take a walk down the hallways of our minds and examine the pictures that are hanging there. The pictures that we see are that of victimhood. Maybe a time in your life or times in your life where someone took advantage of you, where they hurt you and it scarred you in such a way that every time you turn around, that's the only picture that you see hanging in the hall of your mind. Maybe the picture that's hanging there for you is the picture of loss or death. Where people hoped that you would, people you hoped would always be there were taken from you, and they left a huge image of grief and sorrow hanging on the wall of your mind. Maybe the image that hangs for you is an image of failure. Maybe there are pictures hanging there in your mind that bring up all the times where you came up short. And because of that, it's hard to see yourself walking into success or a future of success because you've seen that picture of failure over and over again. Maybe for you it's the picture of disappointment. Maybe there were expectations that you had from people, or maybe even had from God, and things just didn't go the way that you expected. And as a result, it's hard for you to have faith for a better tomorrow, because all you see is the picture of yesterday's disappointment. We're getting a little bit heavier, maybe when you look at the pictures hanging on the walls of your mind, it's a picture of depression. Maybe when you walk down the hall of your mind, you can't see anything hanging on the walls at all because your hallways are dimmed with the darkness of depression. For you, it's not about what pictures are hanging on the wall. It's about the fact that you don't seem to find the light switch. I believe that today, God doesn't want to just help you locate the light switch. He wants to install some new windows to let his light shine into your heart and into your mind. Right now in this moment, maybe One of those things I just mentioned struck a chord with you and you say, Zach, all of that is the lens through which I see tomorrow. All the pictures are the walls, on the walls of my past. Those are the lens through which I see everything and I can't see to tomorrow. If that's you, I just wanna pray with you today because I really believe that God wants to do a renovation work in your mind. Take out the old, bring in the new so that you can discover his pattern, his plan, his blueprint for your life. that's you, would you just be so bold with heads bowed and eyes closed just to raise your hand and say, Zach, that's me. That's me. I got a pattern. There's something hanging on my wall right now and it's the only thing I see when I think through where I've been and what I've done. I'm tired of looking at this picture over and over. If that's you, just raise it up real high. I just want to pray for you today. Man, so many hands all across this place. Just with your hands in the air, I'm going to pray over every single person here today. Father, we thank you for the boldness that people have had to say, these are the pictures that are hanging on my walls and I'm tired of looking at them. God, I pray today in Jesus' name that you would not just move in and redecorate, but you would move in and renovate, Father. God, we're not asking you to repaint a wall. We're asking you to tear walls down so that we can see the beautiful tomorrow that you have for each one of us. God, we're tired of looking at these pictures and paintings that are hanging on the walls of our life. We give you permission to come in and start knocking things down so that you can hang the ones that have always been a part of your plan. Father, we submit to that process today in recognition that it might take time and it might cost us something and it might even be a little bit messy, but we know that the process will be worth it because your plan is so much better than ours. I thank you for the faith and the courage and the bravery that each person has here today to open their life and their mind to you, to see you work in it. Jesus, give us your mind. Holy Spirit, give us the mind of Christ that we might be able to discern that which is right not from that which is wrong and step into all that you have for our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just for one more moment, when we talk about Jesus, the name of Jesus. Scripture makes it so clear. That the first step that we take in order to have this relationship with God is by opening our heart, opening our lives to Jesus and say, come in and be my Lord, be my Savior. Jesus, the one who went to the cross, who bore our sins upon his back, the punishment we deserve for our sins, he took it for us so that we could come into relationship with our Father God. If you're here today and you feel as though you don't have a relationship with God, I would ask you the question, have you ever given your life over to the Lordship of Jesus? Because it's the only way we can have relationship with God. Scripture says that he didn't just take our place on the cross and die for our sins, but on the third day, God raised him from the dead and conquered death so that we could have new life with him. Today, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I want to ask if you would just focus in on these words. Make them your own. But pray, open your heart to God right now and invite him in because he so wants to be in relationship with you. Make these words your own as we pray together. Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross for me. I believe your death was full payment for my sin. And I believe that you were raised from the dead to give me new life. Today I want your life and everything you have for me. So I choose you. I will follow you from this day forward all the days of my life into eternity. I receive you today. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I know that we prayed a few prayers there, but I just want to say, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, there's no better decision you could ever make in your life. We want to welcome you into the family of God. If you made that decision, we would love to give you a free gift. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's just a little book that we would love to put in your hands. We'll have prayer teams right down here at the end of service. If you want to walk up to one of our prayer teams, let them know you made a decision to follow Jesus. They'll give it to you. If you're in a hurry after service, and you want to stop by the, gla- the next seven days desk. It's right between the glass doors before you exit the building. Just let them know you made a decision to follow Jesus. And they will give you that book. We're so grateful you made a decision to give your life to him. Hey, Bridge family, can we just welcome some people into God's family today? Awesome. Hey, last thing before we go, I just wanna say thank you so much for your collective generosity in giving to the Bridge Church, honoring God with your tithes and with your offerings. We recognize that the ministry of the church is able to go forward because of your generosity because of the faithfulness of our God. We are so thankful that we get to partner with you every single week. It is an honor to call you family, to be your pastors, and to get to do life with you. If you'd like to give this morning, there's some digital ways that you can do so on the screen. If you're a guest with us, there's never any pressure to give. We give a free will offering to honor God because he's been good to us. So thank you so, so much for being faithful because God is always faithful to us. Hey, we love you. Have an awesome Sunday and a great week. We'll see you in the house next weekend.